The seven-month wait is over. It's game week. Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Danny Sarek joins me. Week one at Washington. What are our expectations? What would surprise us? It doesn't appear there will be a surprise at quarterback, however. Also, there are 11 rookies on the 53-man roster. Expect most of them to be active on game day. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 669, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, one heart, one threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray Magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. Congratulations to everyone, including Danny. We have made it. The regular season is here, finally. In fact, there is a game on Thursday. I'm sure you'll be watching Lions at the Chiefs, yes? Of course. All right. And then Sunday, 10 a.m. Arizona time, Cardinals at the Commanders. It is week one. Before we dive into that, I have to ask you about last week. Final weekend before week 14, which is (laughs) mid-December. But we are done with weekends now that the regular season is upon us. No, it was a good weekend, a nice long weekend until I ended the long weekend uh, feeling under the weather. I haven't felt sick at all this entire off season. Uh, so what better time than of course. week one? However, I'm very, very grateful that it was in the beginning of the week <laughs> and now I'm on the back end of my cold. So I'm just happy to be here, Craig. And we are happy to have you here <laughs> as well on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. You know, we did get the injury reports post-practice on Wednesday. Do not see Danny Sarek listed, so that is good that you are a full participant on Wednesday. Yes, likely likely to attend <laughs> uh, the game in Washington. Full participant. Okay, full participant. All right, let's go over real quick, because let's face it, this team is about as healthy as they might be all year long going into week one. Four players on the injury reports, though only three were limited. Kelvin Beecham, Hollywood Brown, and Zach Ertz. Beecham dealing with a hand, Brown a hamstring, and Ertz a knee. So now we now know what was Hollywood Brown dealing with all the training camp and preseason, a hamstring that they were monitoring throughout, and that's why sometimes we did see him practice. Other times they dialed him back. But the fact that we've seen Brown a significant enough like times to where I, I don't feel like it will at this point doesn't seem like it's going to keep him out of the game just because we've seen him so consistently at practice, not working out on the side, you know, in preseason games. So it seems like it's on the right track. The question, though, is Zach Ertz. He has mentioned repeatedly that he would like to play week one. That was his goal. But coming off that ACL injury and an MCL tear as well. My guess is that this will be all the way up until game time. How do you feel on the flight? How do you feel on the walkthrough on Saturday? How do you wake up Sunday? And then the adrenaline will kick in, and I'm sure if he is even 75 to 80%, he'll want to be out on that football field. And I feel like if you're 75 or 80%, 
sorry, as I'm getting over this cold, <laughs> everyone listening to my muted cough there. Um, if you are feeling 75 to 80% and you get the clear, you can go ahead from the medical training staff. Don't you think it would make more sense to put them out there, maybe more of a limited series rather than saying, we want you to be 100% because you want them to get out there, right? You want him to start catching passes. You want him to take those hits. You want him to make those blocks. You want him to start really putting his body through. Not that he hasn't been with rehab or with these practices the last couple of weeks since he's been taken off that pup list, but you really want him to put his body through that game so he can get into that routine when it comes to recovering throughout the week. So without having any reason to believe so, I would think that Zach Ertz would be leaning towards playing just because he's been off the pup for so long and he's been practicing again with the team. Doesn't look like he's been doing a lot of stuff on the side on his own. Although we didn't see him in the preseason, it's been feeling like it's trending towards he will be ready to play. But you're right. Again, that that flight on Friday night and how you're feeling Saturday, I mean, that, that could all change everything. You put him on a pitch count. You say, all right, here's what we envision your role to be on Sunday, at least at the starts. And if it feels good, then you can increase that role, whether it's within the game or going from week one to week two, because as much as we have heard this team discuss about how much they want to, A, run the ball, and then B, how many two and three tight end sets we have seen, whether it was during the offseason or training camp practices, you're going to want one of those tight ends, provided he's capable and available, to be Zach Ertz. So, yeah, I could certainly see, all right, you're active. Maybe we don't have a full role for you right now, but maybe he doesn't need to be that guy every single down because you have a Trey McBride, you have a Jeff Swaim. So you have guys in that room to see, to give everyone a little bit of a breather to you're not playing a hundred percent of the snaps. Right. And, and again, we have no reason to think, Oh, you know, he's going to play. We know this and this. I, I just feel like the way that it's been trending and the work that he's been putting in. I believe when they say that, you know, when we talked to Zach Ertz, a week or so ago of him not knowing whether or not he play, I would believe that. But it just it feels like for some reason it really feels like he's trending towards playing even if you are on a pitch count. Now, I mentioned that there were four players listed on the injury report. I only named three. The fourth is Dennis Gardek, who was a full participant on Wednesday because of that knee that bothered him late in preseason. So that's good to have Dennis on the football field. But the one name that we did not see on the injury report, and it just occurred to me as I was walking down here, Marco Wilson, who left the game preseason, or that second preseason game, and did not participate at all against the Vikings in the joint practices. And there was a little bit of, I don't know if concern's the right word. You were there, I was not. But not to have number 20 on the football field. That's but, a concern for me. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> But of joint practices, yes. and it was you know still kind of training camp, so you weren't quite sure. But here we are, week one, and this week, Marco Wilson is a full participant because if you don't have your starting cornerback, that's a lot of youth and an experience in that room outside of Antonio Hamilton. That's a great point. Now with the injury reports coming out, is you're not just seeing who was on it, you are also keeping an eye on who is not, and it's a great sign that Marco Wilson is not as you're starting cornerback now look if, if you don't have Wilson you'd probably go with Antonio Hamilton I would assume maybe over like a Christian Matthew starting opposite of the rookie Keechaw Clark um, but thankfully it doesn't feel like the Cardinals are going to be in that situation you're going to have Wilson out there you're going to have the rookie Keechaw Clark who was named 
opposing starting cornerback. Um, so it is great to have Wilson out there just because of the experience and, and how he's grown every year in this league. And he, he was the only DB that was truly taking first team reps the entire training camp all preseason as a starter so he had solidified his role so it's great that he will be out there so that's what we know on Wednesday we do not know officially although if you've listened listened to Cardinals cover two or any of the other shows across the Arizona Cardinals podcast platforms we all anticipate we all expect Joshua Dobbs to be QB1 no official announcement from the team Head coach Jonathan Gannon has been asked repeatedly there will not be an announcement. There will not even be an announcement or a confirmation on Friday. But we all believed and expected something to break, and that did happen. Wednesday, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport with the tweet that Joshua Dobbs is expected to be the starting quarterback for the Cardinals. And then he added this, quote, they'll evaluate the situation each week, but this is how it goes or this is how it begins. End of quote, end of tweet. So, again, not a surprise. Again, we don't hear from Gannon until Friday before practice. He is not going to confirm this. He has no reason to. He's straight up said he's not going to give the media anything. So, this game, if you will, this, I don't know if charade's the right word, but it's been fun. But I think now everyone understands what is happening. And, again, if you've been watching, if you've been following, if you've been listening – you're not going to part with a fifth-round draft pick late into training camp and then not start that player, i.e. Joshua Dobbs. When you make a trade for Dobbs so late in the preseason, just before that final game, there's no question in my mind you're bringing him as, as your starter once you released Colt McCoy. I think from what you saw with the rookie and Clayton Toon, you can see the potential but he just didn't seem ready to take that step as a starter from what we saw in the preseason, just with some of the mechanics and the high balls and the footwork with some of the decisions that were made. So it really, you're right. It really hasn't felt like that true quarterback battle of just because you're not naming a starting quarterback doesn't mean people aren't picking up on what you're putting down. Um, he does have Dobbs does have more experience obviously than two. And it's not a ton, but at least he's been around in the league. He's been around a couple different teams and schemes he has that relationship already with offensive coordinator Drew Pensing and quarterbacks coach Izzy Wolfork both from the Browns so that I'm sure is helpful as well um it's it's not easy to come into a situation after training camp after preseason and have two weeks and have to prepare to be a starting quarterback but you know what that's that's the job that's what you do Dobbs is incredibly intelligent he is an astronaut right he's had multiple internships with NASA so you have, you know, I don't want to say, you, I don't know if this is fair or not to say you have, you know, high expectations of being out there, but I think that there are still high enough expectations to where I don't think the Cardinals are going out there. And by having Josh Dobbs or Clayton Toon walk out there, it's an immediate loss. I, I truly don't feel that way. I think you still have a chance with the other pieces out there. It'll just be interesting how true the report is of going week to week right of evaluating are we going to play Dobbs this week are we going to play tune this week you're not all respect to this coaching set you're you're not going to do that right you're going to find a quarterback you're going to try and create consistency unless something really happens where you think okay this is this is getting off the rails and we still have 
four, six weeks until Kyler Murray comes back, let's see what Clayton Dune. Sure, absolutely, like if, if that's the case. But I, I personally, I don't really see this being like a week-to-week decision on who had the better week. I think if you're going to start with Dobbs, you're going to rock with Dobbs until Kyler Murray comes back. Dobbs does not have a short leash. This is going to be his job, barring an injury, and then, as you said, if things just completely go off the rails and you're still four or five weeks before Kyler is able to return. But I don't see that happening. And I'll give Dobbs credit because as we surrounded him in the locker room post-practice on Wednesday, he knew the questions were coming. And his response was, yeah, I'm not sure yet. That's a JG question. Of course. Everyone knows what the plan is. Heck, Gannon said it himself. The players know there's just not going to be anyone, whether it's a head coach, assistant coach, a player, that's going to say anything on the record until postgame on Sunday. And whether you on the sideline are interviewing QB1 after a victory over the Commanders. And we'll have an idea when they run out for warm-ups. We will, that, that's yeah. when we will officially know of seeing who is taking those snaps with that first team with those offensive linemen who's who's taking snaps from Yelda for a Holt in warm-ups essentially so that'll be our our true confirmation is when we will likely see Dobbs under center behind for a Holt in warm-ups so that is something again <laughs> as we've been saying now for several weeks or in, since Dobbs arrived that the anticipation the expectation is that Dobbs is going to start now what is interesting if you look at the depth chart that the team released it does say Joshua Dobbs or Clayton Toon, but again. Have you ever seen that, by the way? I'm not sure I've ever seen that on like an official depth chart where it says or. I, I can't remember what team it was. I, there was a team just recently that had listed four running backs with an or next to every really? single it one. Really? It kind of made me chuckle. I was thinking, well, we saw well it, I mean, obviously, if they're both listed as quarterbacks, it's either or for them. It just kind of made me chuckle when I saw that. I was like, I don't think I've ever seen that. We did see it during the preseason when it was Matt Hawk or Nolan Cooney. Right. But a quarterback? Yeah. That's just, again, it. it's these Playing little the games game. that these coaches like to play, whether, you know, they call it gamesmanship, but I don't. Does the opposition really. I was just thinking that. Not know or think or have these conversations? Are they really having to watch Clayton Toon film? Now, you do because you're the backup, so you want to be familiar with what he is capable of doing, and you're probably looking at some Houston tape or some preseason tape as well. But Ron Rivera, Jack Del Rio, they're not they're not in there going, oh, you know what, I better spend an extra two, three, four hours and get these guys on the field a little bit longer because we don't know. It could be Joshua Dobbs. It could be Clayton Toon. Again, come on. The, the league understands the situation the Cardinals are in with Kyler Murray not being ready and releasing Colt McCoy and bringing in Josh Dobbs. I mean, it's again, it seems pretty clear what the decision is. And again, I'd feel like if you are looking at tape of Josh Dobbs, who has that experience and that real NFL game footage you can look at from last year, to a certain extent, if you're going to prepare for Josh Dobbs, you probably feel pretty prepared for Clayton Toon. You it, can, it's, it's not like we it's not like the Cardinals brought in Josh Dobbs and there's also a chance Kyler Murray's coming back, right? <laughs> like you you know what you're preparing for if you're the Commanders. Yes, if especially Week One, it shouldn't be that much of a significant difference from one quarterback to the next if for whatever reason 
Dobbs is unable to go and you do see Clayton Tune on the football field. I mean, your game plan as a defense is going to be the same because there's that much there's not a big difference between the two quarterbacks. It's not like one is a pocket passer and the other one scrambles and throws on the run. That's that's not the case between any of the quarterbacks including Kyler Murray. If I'm, I mean, obviously, if you're, if I'm Washington, you're, you're going to look at tape from the quarterbacks. But if I'm Washington, I'm more watching tape from this offensive line, right? Because regardless, you got to get through him to that quarterback. That, that's what I would really be focused on. Of, okay, we know that either quarterback option is inexperienced and is not Kyler Murray. So how do we get to him? But I'm not Washington, <laughs> and I don't get paid to do that. So that's not how I'm spending my week, Craig. No, you are not. We just kind of follow along and report on what we see, what we hear, and what we do see is on this depth chart that the team did release, there are three rookies that will be among the starters. Two on offense, one on defense. Paris Johnson, starting right tackle. Michael Wilson, starting wide receiver. And then Keetra Clark, starting cornerback, which we already talked about. Three starting rookies, which historically this team, regardless of head coach, didn't like to play the rookies early outside of Kyler Murray year one. But you wanted to get these rookies, these first-year players, to get their feet wet, kind of experience life in the NFL, make them earn it. Now, as Paris Johnson Jr. earned it, he was basically given the job, but he did nothing to show that he's not capable already to be a starting right tackle. I think he still earned it through practice and preseason because what we have seen from Paris no, has I mean, been consistent. He wasn't. He didn't have to fight right. for it. But, but he, he was had still to fight battling, to keep it. Right, with okay. Calvin Beecham, absolutely. I do think you know this team is in a very different place than they have been in the past when it comes to playing rookies, but I also think it just says to, you know, it shows what this new front office and coaching staff is, their philosophy when it comes to the draft and and, and who they're going to put out on the field. And that's not to say they're playing the rookies because they want their rookies to play. I, I think that it's a couple things. I think the situation the Cardinals are in with cap space and who is on this team and the holes you have of you drafted rookies who could help you now and you could really mold into players that can help you for the long run, but, but they need help now in those position spots. And I think you drafted intentionally of needing help on the defensive line, not just drafting rookies but also undrafted rookies I'm thinking of Dante Stills on the defensive line right Keetra Clark as your cornerback Garrett Williams as your cornerback when he comes off that NFI list recovering from an ACL injury Michael Wilson as wide receiver I mean these are spots that the Cardinals were going to need help regardless I do think though it says a lot about the players that were drafted and the work that has been put in that you have three already listed as your starters and not only that but all the rookies you drafted made the roster and a handful of undrafted rookie free agents I mean that that is impressive that's impressive on what this coaching staff is getting out of them it's impressive what the players are bringing to the table it's impressive by the front office of what they saw in these players the scouting department I mean all in all it really does feel like things you have that hope right of okay it kind of feels like things are turning around and, and it kind of feels like a different vibe But I do think that it says a lot that all of your rookies that you drafted made the final roster and you have a handful of undrafted rookies who are also clearly earning a spot, albeit maybe even on the practice squad, 
but can still contribute. And I think that says a lot to all the parties involved. 11 rookies total on the 53-man roster, plus Elijah Higgins, who was the Dolphins' sixth-round selection of the Cardinals' claimed off waivers, and then three undrafted free agents, running back Imari DiMercato, offensive lineman El Manning, claimed off the waiver wire from the 49ers, and cornerback Starling Thomas, claimed off waivers from the Lions. So 11 of the 53 and then you mentioned Garrett Williams, who we soon hopefully will be seeing him. I have noticed him on the side during team stretch. And John Gaines, who I spotted in the lunchroom with a gigantic brace on his right leg. My guess is it's the right knee he has done for the season, which is unfortunate because he was going to be your backup center. Yeah, that that one is is really tough. But also the wide receiver, Daniel Arias, who it seems like the staff really likes really likes his size. I could see him being called up to the practice yep. squad of um, if they need maybe behind a Michael Wilson or, or Zach Pascal for that kind of size as well. So it it feels again like things are on the right track in terms of the players you're drafting, what you're getting out of these rookies, um, finding a place for them that not only allows them to be successful, but give the team success as well where you need that help 27 new faces on this roster compared to last year 27 and that includes the 11 rookies so what we see on Sunday is going to be dramatically different than what we have seen over the last four seasons not only based off of personnel but what the offense is going to look like, what the defense is going to look like. And I do think there's a sense of anticipation with what we hope to see and want to see and whether we see all of it this week or it's something that takes a couple of weeks. Now, everyone's going to have their immediate reactions post-game Sunday, Monday morning, and the overreactions. But I thought it was interesting to hear Jeff Rogers, the assistant head coach and special teams coordinator, earlier this week say week one is full of surprises. And I wanted to ask, good surprise. Not the, the surprise that, oh, no, here we go again, or we just lost X player for the season. But a surprise, whether on offense or defense, a position group or a certain player, that you go in and you come out and go, wow, did not expect that. It's a pleasant surprise. It's a wow surprise. And for me, I keep coming back to the front seven, specifically the outside linebackers, who's rushing the quarterback. Do you have a consistent pass rush this week, next week, next month? And is it a consistent player or is a rotation? Because right now there is not a single player in that room, Danny, that has a resume, that has been there and done it on a consistent basis That is a big unknown to where if I can see something on Sunday, whether it is the entire group or an individual or two, and come out Sunday night, Monday morning, and say, wow, that was a surprise. I asked Gannon earlier in the week about rookie B.J. Ojolari, who only saw one preseason game recovering from his knee, uh, his knee injury, and who was on a snap count. And I asked, is Ojolari going to be 100%? Is he going to be on a pitch count? And Gann said he's 100%. So I don't know if that was fully answered my question or if it was he's 100% he's going to be able to play as much as we want him to. It does seem clear Gannon has really emphasized that if you are called up on game day, like you're going to see the field. And that position specifically, he seems to really like the idea of a rotation and getting the most out of your players. And to me, that kind of makes the most sense when you look at this roster like you touched on 
so many inexperienced players, or even if you are experienced, like a Dennis Gardeck, right? Cam Thomas, MyJ Sanders have a little bit of experience there. We saw a little flash from those last two last season. We're not talking about Chandler Jones numbers. We're not talking about how you had someone like a Marcus Golden opposite of Chandler Jones who was able to be disruptive. You also don't have a J.J. Watt or a Zach Allen in front of you. Like, where I'm not expecting the same numbers. I do have high expectations, which, fair or not, to Zayvon Collins, his first year as an outside linebacker, I mean, coming as a starter with the size and intelligence and speed and strength that he has, there are definitely high expectations for him there. But I do believe you're going to see a true rotation with those outside linebackers just when you're looking at the room and what they bring in and trying to create enough disruption with what you have. And I think we're still going to see rotation from what we've seen in, in practices and preseason. It looks like there's also going to be a heavy rotation on the defensive line. doesn't look like, you know, you might have your set three, but it doesn't look like they're going to be necessarily your main guys. It really does look like they're going to rotate between the top six there as well. Do we need, and maybe this is more of a rhetorical question, but do we need to see one player or two players stand out as far as rushing the quarterback to where you can have the focus be on that side, on that player, whether it's Zayvon Collins, or is it better for the Cardinals defense and Nick Rollis to have multiple guys, multiple weapons, to where if you're the other team, you're like, okay, we can't focus just on the left side because that's where Zayvon Collins is, but he's moving around, and oh, wait, here comes B. Joe Jolari, my Jay Sanders. Uh-oh, we haven't seen him because he's on IR. Now he's coming back. Do you want that guy? Do you want, to use your example, need a Chandler Jones or is a rotation good enough in the National Football League? I think this coaching staff will tell you the more weapons they could have, the better. Um, and again, I think just looking at the experience of this group, I think that's a more realistic answer. It'd be great to have a Chandler Jones, a Max Crosby, a Miles Garrett, somebody who can you know be that monster outside and, and really command significant presence and attention from your opposition. I mean, the sound, I, I, I don't know, realistically, I don't know that the Cardinals have that. I think it would be great if somebody can make that jump this year and, and show that they can do that. And maybe it doesn't have to be on that level. Maybe it's just consistently beating your guy and getting back to the pocket and disrupting the quarterback. Maybe a Dennis Gardak or a Zayvon Collins or Maje Sanders, maybe they can do that on a consistent enough level to where, okay, you know what, that that is the main guy we're going to look at. But I, I don't think it's realistic at all to assume that we're going to see somebody make a jump this year to where come this time next year we are comparing somebody in this room to a Chandler Jones. Nick Rollis, when he addressed the media this week, talked about that edge position and fitting the pieces to the puzzle. And I think that's what this – a lot of this team, whether it's offense or defense, you have a lot of pieces to a puzzle. And how do you fit those pieces together to form a picture that you like? And whether that is sooner rather than later or when that picture is finally made, and maybe it's never complete because you're never, you never have that perfect game. You never have that perfect roster. And I do think this Cardinals team right now, yeah, they are 53 players plus the practice squad, but it's a lot of pieces and some unknown pieces and how you fit everyone together because individually I've always said you don't have to have the number one or the best talent at every single position to have a good team or a great team but how do those pieces gel together i.e. the offensive line I don't need five of the best and an all-star offensive line I just need five guys that can work together 
and that can be a successful offense, whether it's running the ball or throwing the ball. And that, that to me, is what a realistic expectation for this team is. When you look at this roster, the, the Cardinals have players that are top of their position. And and whether or not you want to argue, I mean, I don't know how you could argue. Kyler Murray, I think, is in that discussion. Buda Baker, Hollywood Brown, maybe DJ Humphreys. I mean, there there's enough players on this roster to where you have players to work around. But I do think that, again, with where the Cardinals are, are with their roster I do think that is a more realistic expectation and and you're right that can be enough of just having a well-oiled machine with everybody doing their job and working cohesive enough you don't have to have a team full of pro bowlers to find success and make the playoffs and win games and that's what the Cardinals find themselves in and you just have to find a way to make that work and to win games with what you have and week one a lot of the times is the week where you can come in and surprise a team if, especially if you're a team that many people believe aren't isn't going to be great where teams just overlook you because you're coming out of the gate. Yeah, you've shown some things in training camp, open practices, joint practice in preseason, but how much have not haven't how much haven't we seen from this offense, this defense, regardless of what the personnel is, but how do they line up? Now, are we all of a sudden gonna see five down linemen? As far as a defense, a, a four-man front or five-man front, I don't think so just because of how this roster is constructed. But could Nick Rollis do a couple of things differently that he has not shown so far in any of the preseason games? And while I don't expect this team to be as aggressive on fourth downs the way it was under Cliff Kingsbury, are we going to see that? Right? We didn't see any of that in the preseason, which I understand, right? You're wanting to keep things close to the chest. But in terms of decisions from your head coach and game management I mean are we going to see a more aggressive team on fourth down than we're expecting there's a lot of questions that I think even past week one it's going to take us a couple weeks to really see what the identity of this team as a whole and the offense and defense individually is offensively do they come out (laughs) two tight ends two backs and you're just pounding the ball and relying on the running game because that was that was one of the big things early on in the offseason with a new coaching staff that no whether whoever you talk to whether it was an offensive lineman or someone and yeah we're going to run the ball that's going to be the emphasis of our offense so that's without the expectation of course you can't fall behind and keep running the ball especially if you're down two or three scores late in the ball game but do we see more of a ground and pound attack is us seeing Jesse Lucetta as a fullback <laughs> in the final preseason game in Minnesota, is that realistic to expect on a week-to-week basis? Or is that just, let's see what Lucetta can give us and we know we have that in our back pocket if we need it? That's something that's intriguing to me. Is that something that they're actually going to use or that was seeing what you have in him? We did see Trey McBride a couple of times line up in the backfield and then whether it's to block, be a lead blocker, or flare out, to catch a pass, just like Luketa did. So is that more because Zach Ertz didn't play, Trey McBride didn't play, Jeff Swaim didn't play in that preseason finale? So it's but it does give an opponent something else to think about, whether that is a tight end or all of a sudden we do see Luketa playing offense, defense, and special teams in the regular season. For him, I'm sure he'd love to do whatever it takes to be successful. And it was a great game to have him wired for sound. That Vikings preseason game, he was excited. He was talking to the offense coaches, Autry Denson, the running backs coach, and wanting to get in there. 
and be inv- as involved as possible on offense. Yeah, that's a pretty good listen. Go listen to on our YouTube channel, Jesse Lucetta wired him being mic'd up for that preseason game. Um, I, I still think, though, it's going to take us a couple weeks, just looking at the opponents of really seeing what the identity of this team is going to look like. And I don't know how much it will help, but maybe it helps a little that your head coach, your defensive coordinator, or a bunch of players have experience going up against the NFC East because those are the first three opponents for the Cardinals. Commanders, Giants, and Cowboys, that team from Dallas to end the month of September. Boo. I got to get started now on you, Craig. I wasn't going to say anything. I'm just going to ask. baloney you weren't going to say anything. That week I'll just ask for the ticket request (sighs) that you have put in for that game. Just don't wear blue, Danny. I know. I've learned my lesson. Uh, by the way, before we wrap up here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, we kind of mentioned the running game. Sideline exchange it's is back. back. Well, it's been back a little throughout the training camp preseason, yes. but on a weekly basis, it's back. And week one, the guest? James Conner. It's a good guest. He's a great guest. Every time. Very insightful. He has experience with Josh Dobbs a little bit, back in pit. You know, just the expectation of this offense, him being a workhorse, running the ball, getting back to where he was two seasons ago where he finished with the second most rushing touchdowns in the league with 15, going up against this stacked Washington defensive front. So you can check out that episode on our website and official YouTube channel. I'm excited for Connor this season because even in training camp, he seemed to be, I don't know if motivated is the right word, but just at a different level and operating at a different speed than a lot of the players. I mean, he was catching passes in regular season form. I mean, the one-handed grab in the end zone, I believe, was the red and white practice where he out-jumped Buda Baker, and then just how he attacked the holes during the run game portion of practice. Now, again, you're not tackling and guys are going not 100%, but he just seemed to have a different gear, and that just might be a mindset that he's operating on from day one. And hopefully it trickles down to everyone else in that running back room and the rest of his teammates. I think, too, it's a new year. It's a new staff. It's a new team. But for the veterans that were here last year, you had four wins. James Conner didn't have a fully healthy season. Even if they tell you no from a team standpoint of, is there a chip on your full shoulder? I'd imagine a lot of these returning players personally have a chip on their shoulder if you weren't able to make it a full season or you didn't have a great season, right? You want to prove to yourself, to this coaching staff, to everyone out there watching, I've still got it. And just by the fact that there are 27 new players and a lot of Connor's teammates are no longer on the roster, it's an indication that if you don't produce, you don't get on board, you're not going to be around much longer. And I think we saw that at different moments in the offseason. Yeah, I agree. There is there is no allegiance that has been made very clear with the players that are here and the previous and the new coaching staff, rather. Don't let Calvisi know you used his hashtag. No allegiance. No allegiance. You know, he shaved his mustache. Yes. I kind of miss it. Yeah. I don't. In a weird way, I kind of <laughs> miss it. Weird way. Okay. Yeah. Did not make the final 53-man roster. No, it did, no, not. It did not. Shame. Maybe next year. You can bring it up, though. Pre-game huddle. Your view from the sideline, I believe that's what it's called. You can bring I'm it back up on pregame and, and, radio. And, and paint the picture on the pregame huddle oh, gosh. from the sideline in Washington. Paint the picture. I'd have to go back a couple <laughs> decades to describe what that mustache looked like. Uh, no, I'm excited to be back on pregame radio. I was. It was an exciting reason why I wasn't on it during the preseason because I had other responsibilities doing sideline uh, as a sideline reporter since you those games are not. Us. 
Yeah, I kicked you guys to the curb the yes. moment I got the chance. Uh, since those games are not nationally broadcast and it was all in-house, I was able to have that experience, which was a lot of fun. However, it took me away from the radio booth pregame, so I'm excited to be back with all of you guys. I am very much looking forward to hearing whatever crazy line I have said when I haven't been made aware that we are recording that our producer, Jim Mahundra is going to put in the open. I, I can't imagine how many things he's had to decide between of what he wants to use in week one. So looking forward to that. That might be the biggest surprise yeah, of week honestly. one. Forget about You want to talk about going week to week. It's not the quarterback <laughs> battle. It's what Omo is putting in the open that I am saying. Also, morning scramble. I understand is back because I got a text message. We have a special guest week the one. The other day that week one, I'm a fill-in. So that's... We're calling you up okay. to the majors real real quick. All right. No, that'll be fun too. Morning scramble. If, if you don't know, it's our it's our game recap show that we do Monday mornings. Uh, it's going to be live streamed, I believe, on our just maybe our official YouTube channel. But you can always go back and rewatch that. It's also available on the website under the podcast tab. Um, so usually it will be myself, Jody Jackson, and Zach Gershman, who joined our team this offseason. However, Jody has a conflict, so we are bringing in the best that we have, waiting on the deck. The best that's left. That's left, and that's Craig Grealu. So myself with Zach and Craig Monday. Uh, I believe our starting time is going to be 10 a.m. You can stay up to date on Twitter as we kind of get used to some new things with that show. Um, but Morning Scramble. Game recap show. It'll be fun. Looking forward to it. Just like that, the off season is done it's and gone. the regular season is upon us and it's full speed ahead until mid December. Let's rock. I'm ready, Craig. No breaks, no mini buys, nothing like that. It's nope. normal routine week to week until week fourteen. But who's counting? Exactly. Not that I bothered to look it up or anything. December 9th and 10th, that's Saturday <laughs> and Sunday. The next time that we actually have a weekend. I'm not complaining. I'm just stating a fact. Absolutely. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Joe Mamahundro, our associate producer, Cody Fincher. For Danny Sarek, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.